0: Hello, welcome to Show Me Your Mic, the podcast that aims to talk to other podcasters about their podcasts. You can find it on the web at goodstuff.fm slash SMYM. This happens to be episode 49, and for this 49th episode, I have the privilege of talking with Guy Routlich. He's from the UK. He does a video podcast called A to Z CSS, talking about CSS, the web design code nerd stuff but we don't go too nerdy on that stuff so don't get too scared away I'm talking about uh, him using uh, Jekyll to host his site Wistia for the video and other fun stuff so uh, thank you for listening, enjoy the show, thanks to Campaign Monitor for sponsoring this episode and we'll see you next time, thanks Well, uh, first off, before I get into the show, I just have to say a quick thanks to Kyle Roderick for doing a great job guest hosting. Episodes 47 and 48 were awesome to listen to. It's kind of interesting listening to your own show, having hearing someone else do your own show, I guess, and uh, just getting his insights into podcasting and the questions to ask and the people to interview. That was actually the main reason why I had wanted to get someone else in just for a bit, just to get a fresh perspective on different podcasters that he listens to and wants to chat with. Um, he's going to be doing the next couple of episodes after this one, so this is episode forty-nine, and then I'll be back to close out the last two episodes of September. But uh, for this episode, like I said in the intro, hopefully, because <laughs> I record it later, uh, I've got Routlich with me. Hi- Hello, guy. Hey, Chris. How's it going? I'm going well. <laughs> I love the uh, I love the British accent, and so it's uh, regardless of what we talk about, it's fun to talk to someone with. Uh, <laughs> British accent so
1: we get to be very polite today
0: right <laughs> Me Talk with about Mike. the
1: weather and tea and stuff right exactly
0: where are, are you at liberty to say uh, where in England you're located
1: uh yeah I'm in <laughs> southwest London
0: oh okay so like uh you'd consider yourself London proper or whatever they say
1: yes uh, yeah right. yeah pretty much
0: <laughs> nice um all right. Well, your your show, your podcast, video podcast, I think, I was, I was trying to remember, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, but I guess Don McAllister had on one time, but uh, the I think you're one of the few video podcasts I've had on, which I'd love to have more because the video has always intrigued me um, mm. in the podcasting medium. So A to Z CSS is your, your show, also the website, A to Z CSS.com. And uh, before we get into the, <laughs> I got that part right. <laughs> <laughs> before uh, we There's get easy into, bit. yeah, exactly, uh, into the show and the podcasting stuff itself. What uh, and before you got into podcasting, what sort of led you to this, uh, like your background before uh, you got started doing the video podcast and stuff? What was your lead up to that? Mm, sure.
1: Um, well, um, by trade, I'm a I'm a web developer, uh, front end web developer, freelance here in the UK, um, and. Um, I've just recently started teaching uh, and it was through working with uh, a bunch of kind of beginner uh, web developers just starting out on their journey. Um, I, uh, I wanted to be able to put some some extra material together for them to try and help them out. Most of the stuff we do is kind of classroom based, um, whereas, you know, we kind of fly through material, uh, whereas the way that I learned when I was uh, getting started a few years ago was uh, through video uh, and watching screencasts. So I wanted to kind of do something like that to help them out. Um, but it's been a nice kind of um, crossing of two paths in a way. Because uh, before I got into working on the web, I actually used to work in TV and film, um, and used to um, be a. I used to be a cameraman, um, but did a little bit of editing work along the way. Um, so it became a, a really nice kind of combination of two things, which uh, I had a little bit of skill in, um, and uh, hopefully that comes through in the uh, in the final product.
0: Yeah, the the episodes and the the screencasts you do are, I guess, I don't, is it. It's sort of a a little bit of everything where you're doing screencasting sort of, but also video production and and obviously audio is a big part of what you're doing. Mm. Um, And uh, what started, I guess, when you registered the domain or whatever and and sort of started out on the path, what was your process for getting the show off the ground initially?
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh, I mean, the the initial idea was, uh, I think I was just working away on something completely unrelated one afternoon uh, and I was uh, looking up something in a... Uh, documentation. It was I think the uh, MDN Mozilla Developer Network, which is a a list of all sorts of um uh technical specs about how we uh how we make websites. Uh and um uh, I was looking through that and I was like, God, there's a there's a whole load of stuff in here. Some that I knew obviously and, and some that I hadn't. And I was I I wondered if I could come up with a different topic for every letter of the alphabet, because it looked pretty much as though there was one. Um, and so I made a little Uh, a note in Evernote and just kind of went A A through Z and um, marked off each one of them as I came up with an idea for an episode and and kind of got ball ball rolling from there, really.
0: Yeah, that's a neat, like what I was going to ask you about later on my notes here, but we might as well go into is is kind of that idea of having a a specific focus or niche or whatever in helping getting something off the ground. Because I would imagine, and I felt this too, of like, well, it's, I like to teach people, I like to do, I like the idea of doing video screencasts and tutorials and stuff. And I just kind of like, you know, do anything and everything that comes to mind, which then lends itself to not really being any, any sort of focus or niche. And, you know, you could have chosen to just do web <clears throat> development, obviously, which would have a whole ream of options. And maybe you yeah, you, know, you might do so that. too so much but these days, it's crazy. Yeah. But, uh, but just, I guess, how did you decide, I guess you sort of outlined it, I guess, picking uh, with the with Mozilla Developer Network and... Uh, you know, sort of going through some of that stuff, but focusing in on specifically CSS stuff that you mm. wanted to learn or teach, I guess, about um, how did you decide to sort of narrow it to that?
1: Well, it's certainly my uh, kind of favorite and, and more specialist area of uh, of web development, uh, but also it lends itself nicely to a visual medium. Um uh, i actually started off more in the kind of design side of things but then i quickly realized that i'm not the most amazing visual designer uh so uh, so got really kind of involved in the in the front end side of things um and as much as i quite like the um the kind of uh, architecture and and kind of making everything really uh efficient and um and work well across an entire project Um, the the visual stuff I think works a lot better in terms of tutorials and certainly in a visual medium like video Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, so yeah it was just uh, something that I already knew a lot about and had a had a real interest in Um, and it's uh, it's one of those kind of beautiful subjects that is so simple on the surface but if you scratch a little bit and go a little bit deeper then uh, there's all sorts of really interesting stuff that you get to uncover which is uh, you know I get to learn as well which is uh, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and that's what I know, like myself, my day job being a web designer, kind of initially when you you'd pinged me about coming on the show, it's like, oh, CSS, I know stuff about that, I know I know <laughs> enough or whatever, I, I don't know, whatever I felt, and then I was watching a couple of videos like, oh, I had no idea about you know <laughs> this or that or whatever, there's so much, and just keeping up, like you said, with all the new stuff that keeps coming out is mm, could be a so full-time much. job in itself, so <clears throat> yeah, um, and so I, yeah, I mean... Re-
1: I was going to say that was kind of my goal of the whole thing is that in every episode, I wanted there to be one thing that someone went, huh, I didn't know that. That's cool.
0: Yeah. And that's where it, like the advantage being like, it's one thing to go read the doc, like you said, you know, like mm. MDN or whatever. And, and I certainly web developers certainly could do that, but we know most of us don't go that specific and worry or find out about that. We'll hear about, you know, somebody surfacing some interesting trick somewhere on, whatever uh, you know a different website a tutorial site or whatever but mm. rarely do we actually develop or delve a little bit deeper into some of these um some of these items and so um yeah it's great i, I think it's an awesome way to sort of surface some of that stuff for the rest of us <laughs> you go deep diving and, and bring <laughs> back some gold i guess well, uh,
1: yeah i mean that's how uh, like i said that's how i learned and um mm-hmm. uh, i was always blown away by um, all the stuff that I was finding, you know, people go into, a, put in a lot of time and effort, sometimes for free, well, very often for free. Um, and I thought, wow, if I ever get to that stage, I'd be, uh, you know, I'd feel, um, I'd, I'd be really surprised, but also, you know, pleased to have got there, I guess. Um, and you know, I don't pretend to know everything about the subject, um, but I'm certainly interested in it. And, um, and being able to share that a little bit has been, uh, has been great fun.
0: Yeah. And that's actually interesting. And maybe you don't suffer from this neurotic kind of, uh, whatever, lack of self-esteem thing like I do sometimes. And I'm, I'm sure others who think about starting into some of these projects is something like CSS. I'm, uh, my mind often goes to, oh, there's already, you know, 3000 CSS things out there. What possibly could I have to offer? Uh, and like I said, not I don't doubt that you have, <laughs> you have things to offer. Cause I've, like I said, I learned lots from this and, um, but did you have any of those? Maybe, like I said, maybe you don't have that neurotic. Oh code. no, I,
1: I have that every every single day. <laughs> probably every minute of the day, actually. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, <laughs> it's uh, but it, but it has been it has been a really um, interesting. There's, there's been some really interesting side effects of it. Um, people have have emailed me and said, thank you for putting these things together. And, and there's been, you know, they've left comments on the site and on YouTube and uh, tweets and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm just kind of like so overwhelmed by the amount of, you know, the amount of, you know, generous, nice people in the world who would take some time out to say thanks very much. It's just, it's been really humbling, actually. Um, and, and that in a way kind of spurs me on to to do more stuff. Um, and to think of the next idea or, or to, um, you know, just continue to to make stuff. Um, it's fun to do, but uh, it is a lot of work. Uh, so to to get that little bit of uh, thanks or or praise or what have you is, uh, is really nice.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's what I'd say to anybody who listens, you know, whether it's to a podcast like this or watches a show like yours is taking the, just like you said, taking the 30 seconds or whatever it would take to quickly tweet the person, the creator or the whatever of that thing that you're watching or listening to. Um, is goes a long way, a huge way towards, uh, because I would say ninety-five percent, maybe or whatever the number is, some high percentage don't ever tweet anything or send any sort of note, and so, um, and and then often it's, if anything, it's the negative, but not necessarily about the creative output of it but it's kind yeah. of like oh that show isn't linking to the mp3 anymore or, or something like that and that's which is great to hear obviously as well you want to <laughs> you need to know those yeah, technical still, but issues that's important. but uh but if that's kind of the only feedback you ever get although sometimes i've i kind of uh, having said that i kind of enjoy that feedback too because at least it knows i know somebody's listening to say back catalog that just isn't mm. working right now and they're frustrated and they're they want to listen but they can't and they're willing to let me know rather than just ignore it and go away so Thanks to yeah, all of you sure. who send that in as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, but the, the constructive feedback is really important and useful as well. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I mean, actually, funnily enough, to begin with, when I launched the – initially I launched the site as a like a holding page and it was just a uh, give me your email address and I'll let you know when it's ready if you kind of want to know that kind of thing. Um, and that was actually based on a, uh, some advice from a friend of mine who's just said, yeah, you know, put something together and put it online because then, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Um, and then without my knowing, he he put it on Hacker News. Um and within a few weeks there was a reasonable number of people on a on a mailing list. And I was like, Oh crap, I'm gonna have to do something about this now. <laughs> um, but um but it was a it was a nice little push to get me going. Um
0: Yeah, and that's the I I love uh that that ability to float an idea, I guess, and and people um people maybe don't recognize the opportunities with, with the web and we just kinda of take a bit of it for granted. But that ability to float an idea, whether it's a podcast or something that you set up and maybe just getting a bit of feedback and you know, in a form of signups or email questions or whatever you might want to do before you get going. Yeah, definitely. I and
1: I, I was terrified to begin with because I was like, hang on a minute, I have to, um, put myself out there and say, this is something that I did. And what if there's mistakes in it? And you know, what if I sound stupid and what if I, you know, um, what, uh, what, if, what if, what if, what if, um, <laughs> And, uh, and actually, when I first launched the thing, I, I didn't have comments on it at all, um, because I, I was almost too scared to know what people thought about it. Um, <laughs> but um, So I was, I, the, the videos are all on the, on the website at a Um but I also put them on YouTube just because there's masses of, of people there always looking for stuff. And YouTube has comments that you can't turn off. Um, and I had a quite a few nice ones on there, so I thought, oh maybe this isn't so bad so uh, so then I put commenting on the on the website and uh, and since then it's been great because it's actually been a way for me to talk to the people who are listening and you know and there's even been some kind of discussions about um, sharing resources and and taking things a bit you know a couple of steps further, which has been which has been great so it, it even adds to the material that's already there, which mm-hmm. is so uh, as much as it is a little bit scary to put yourself out there and to invite people to comment on something that you've made and put a lot of love into um it's really important i think
0: yeah and especially i would guess a tech like you said technical uh technical topics such as css i always find when i go to a site say such as yours or just or maybe it's just a written tutorial i often go to the comments almost first sometimes just to see okay is this actually right because you know Mm. somebody's watched it already and said no this is wrong it's changed now and you know, in 2017, when someone comes back and watches this or whatever, <laughs> you know, has, has things changed and is this still valuable or whatever? And I, yeah, that's definitely where comments can help sort of listeners, or watchers, or readers, or whatever, discern what's what's proper and what's good to stick with. I, I was going to say, with the saying, you're not a designer. The site itself and, and the layout and just content, and as well as the design and everything, looks great. Um, one of the mm, things that kind. I... I know uh, when you'd ping me a ha- sort of happy coincidence is I had been looking into using, uh, playing around with Wistia, the hosting service for video, mm. and it's something that you're using for hosting the videos. You mentioned YouTube, and we'll cover get into that in a bit too. But um, as far as on your site itself, you're using uh, Wistia, which um, I'm just curious, I guess, where did you, how did you arrive at that as opposed to, I don't, there's plenty, but you know, like Vimeo and others are out there that um, that can be used for similar Ideas. Uh, what was it about Wistia that kind of attracted you to using it as a hosting platform?
1: Mm, sure. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, funnily enough, it was another uh, recommendation from a friend who said, uh, "Oh, if you're going to do some video stuff, you should check these guys out." And, and the reason that uh, they mentioned it was because of all the all the data and the stats that they gather, um, and they display them in a really really nice way. Um, uh, I wish I could kind of open them up to to show people just because it, it looks so fantastic. They've got a, they've done a really good job on their on their product, um, but um, when I started looking into them, there were a, there were a few things that I, I really liked about it. So, firstly, you can uh, customize the the player and the, the color scheme of it, and whether you show like social media buttons or, and, and stuff like that. Um, it also does email capture. Um, so, if you go to the site and on all of the videos, um, there's a little thing that says if you want updates and stuff, then sign up for the mailing list, um, but you can skip through that. It's not like a, um, you have to give me your email address for me to do all sorts of, you know, weird and wonderful <laughs> things with, right. uh, which of course I don't do. I um, <laughs> but, um, uh, so other than that, they, uh, they also have the ability to create a, um, an RSS feed directly from just uploading your videos and adding title and description and stuff, which you can then pass into FeedBurner and then over to iTunes. And I was like, oh, well, that's an interesting way of going because to begin with, I hadn't thought of doing it as like an iTunes video podcast. And I was just going to, you know, put some videos together and put them on a website. But I thought that might be an interesting thing to experiment with because I'm quite keen on going down the audio podcast route at some stage. Um, And I thought, well, why not experiment with, with their platform and and stuff like that and get used to uh, working with all those kind of bits
0: and pieces as well. So the, yeah, that's So the, the RSS feed that Wistia gives you, could you just, uh, so that's something I hadn't played with yet, but had you, could you just submit that directly to iTunes or does it still need to go through a feed burner? No, you still have to, <clears throat> per- sorry, excuse me. No, sorry. Um
1: you still have to go through uh some kind of uh, feed burner to get all of the um what do they call them the enclosures and stuff like that. Yeah. Um so so that the the media is available. Um right. But uh yeah, it was a very painless process. Um I mean if I if I had a bit more time and inclination, I would probably have um generated my own feed using uh so the website is uh, based on the Jekyll static site generator. Um and I could have Uh, just kind of made the feed directly with that and then sent it over. But um, I was being lazy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's where I know FeedBurner is, is great. And there's just always the like worry that podcasters have or anybody, maybe I guess when they think Google connected that, if it's not Gmail, they might shut mm. it down, and so <laughs> um, yeah, it's
1: crazy. Um, and p- people keep talking about that more and more these days. And so I'm, you know, I'm almost starting to think I'm going to have to uh, do my own feeds.
0: Well, that's where I wonder too whether uh, one other service that, um, if you want to sort of support a service, um, is something called FeedPress. It feedpress.it. and links will be mm. in the show notes. goodstuff.fm slash Smym slash um, forty nine. And that would be one alternative, I guess, and I don't know for sure whether that would work with Wistia. I would imagine it can do – it does definitely does support podcasting, but um, whether mm. it supports Wistia's feed and stuff, you'll have – Well, this is maybe. just
1: a pretty box-standard RSS feed, so mm-hmm. um, I think you can do quite a lot with it.
0: I wanted to actually touch base with – touch on your, your site that you're hosting with. So you're using Jekyll, which is something that I would guess a, m- a lot of podcasters might not be familiar with because they're probably in the WordPress or, or mm. uh, feed not FeedBurner, what's the Squarespace-style uh, site that's kind of prepared for you. Was it difficult getting set up in a, with something like a Jekyll, which is, when we say static, it just means there's no um, there's no official like big CMS that's publishing files for you. You're doing yeah, it a little more exactly. manually. It's direct files instead of a database, that kind of stuff. Won't go too mm-hmm. geeky into that side of things. But as far as getting it running and supporting feeds and stuff like that, is it... Um, was it difficult getting it going and, and stuff? No, it up? was
1: super simple. Um, my personal blog is also based on Jekyll, um, and I've I've played around with a couple of other um, kind of personal projects using it as well. Uh, but as someone who can make websites from scratch, it was um, it was pretty painless. Um, but I can imagine with you know with a little bit of. Um, with a bit of help so you know you could have a friend build the the core of the the thing um, and then hand it off to uh, to a podcaster um, it, it was it's not hard to get up to speed with at it all um, it's great for me because I you know I'm writing a code editor all day long um, and so writing the scripts and then writing out um, adding in all the data and metadata and stuff like that for each episode is um, you know is very, very familiar to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting it up and running was pretty straightforward.
0: Nice. And I'll, I'll put a link to, I actually just, uh, again, sort of happy coincidence here. I just picked up, uh, from Ryan Ireland over at Majingo. He's got a static websites with Jekyll screencast that he sells. Mm. And, uh, if you're at all curious, it, he's a great teacher and, uh, Worth picking up if you're interested in doing something. It is possible to do it without. Like, there's a great tutorial through GitHub and and Mm. they're hosting. But uh, if you want something a little more detailed and uh, sort of hand holding you through (laughs) through the process, Ryan's good at that. So uh, that sounds great.
1: I mean, as soon as you install Jekyll and and create your first site with it, it, it is like a fully working site already so uh to have a look around and, and play with bits and pieces and change this change that and see what it does um is is really quite uh straightforward mm-hmm. um although maybe i'm kind of saying that with uh too much of my uh previous experience <laughs> in my own head so yeah um, there knows? tends
0: to be those folks who have used the command line and mm-hmm. and those who uh, haven't yeah, I guess and so. <laughs> that's the if your command line if someone says command line and you kind of have a heart palpitation or something then mm. but it is actually i'm i'm one of those folks who's kind of always scared away from doing command line type stuff in terms of web i just wanted to you know have a GUI uh, interface that i could use mm. and wordpress it and stuff and but uh it's fun it's not that difficult and you you can't really wreck things too badly so
1: no uh, sure courage, i mean I, try. I was uh i had never even never even heard of it before i started a um kind of like my first real job in in the web industry. Um and I was like, um <clears throat> they asked me in the interview, so, you know, do you use this? And I was like, um, I don't really know what that is. <laughs> and then within about, you know, uh within a month or so, I was uh, you know, I started using Vim as my text editor and I started using Git through the command line and and everything. It just became so it just became really kind of, you know, comfortable and and fast. So uh, so I really like it now. But uh even even what, two Three years ago,
0: I uh,
1: I hadn't even hadn't even heard of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and as they say, in the the your beard probably grew three inches that day as you learned VMware. Yeah,
1: mine <laughs> does kind of come and go depending <laughs> on how much work I've got going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: All right. Um, as far as the we'll get we're, after a break here, we'll we'll get into actually how you record and set up the show and and uh, um, a bit more on that. So I just want to take a break to mm-hmm. thank our sponsor for this episode, which is Campaign Monitor. If you're familiar with this show. And Good Stuff, you're probably fairly familiar with Campaign Monitor at this point. They've been a long-time sponsor and supporter of us at Good Stuff, and we greatly appreciate it. We use their uh, newsletter service to send out the Good Stuff newsletter, which you can sign up for, goodstuff.fm slash newsletter, to see examples of how how their uh, service works and uh, the amazing templates that they uh, supply you with that I customize a bit and probably make a little bit uglier than they they were originally. But you can check out... uh, Canvas.cm is where you can check out how their uh, campaign, or sorry, template builder works, and uh, and then other features such as geolocation segments, where you can send it to specific parts of the world, you know, at certain times of the day, all that kind of stuff. Um, there's a really great um, tool that they give you where you can, once you send out your newsletter, you can sort of watch it on a Google Maps-esque kind of display of as it gets opened and people click on links and, and things like that. You can sort of see see it happening live, which is is really neat and just kind of gives a uh a little bit more human touch i guess to the newsletter going out to just rather than just being email addresses. you can see like okay there's guy opening it in london right now or whatever and uh those kinds of things i don't know if guy subscribes i'm sure he does why wouldn't he? of course <laughs> uh so visit uh, campaignmonitor.com to get started be sure to tell them you heard about it at good stuff and our thanks to campaign monitor for supporting good stuff and show me your mic All right, so on, uh, I noticed, uh, I forget uh, what episode number exactly or wherever, but a few episodes back, you had a behind-the-scenes episode that you did, which Mm, was, uh, I think it was six some hours condensed into five minutes, roughly, (laughs) um, which was a great, uh, I I sort of watched the first two and a half minutes here just this morning quickly and um, then had to go help get ready for school, but (laughs) um, great uh, sort of behind-the-scenes look at, at what's actually involved, and is that about accurate, like six hours per episode, give or take?
1: Yeah, it's kind of give or take. So some some are, are shorter generally because there's um, less to say about something like oh, let's have a think, um, like the enabled pseudo class. There is less to say about than uh, media queries and responsive design. Um, so that was a kind of a short one. Um, but yeah, some, sometimes up to um, it's certainly a number of hours rather than. Uh, a number of minutes which is what the the final output is so all the videos are around about kind of between four and seven minutes is tends to be the ballpark um so yeah um the process i tend to go through is um i actually write out the entire script um word for word um and go through a couple of uh, kind of revisions on that to you know uh make it sound natural when i read it back and to fact check and make sure everything is uh, i've said everything that i want to say or need to say uh, and then from there, I I go and record the audio, um, just completely, completely um, raw, uh, and I use I use Audacity for that, um, mostly because it's free, um, <laughs> and it seems to be pretty good. Um, I'm actually recording this conversation as a backup in in that as we speak. Um, How do you, have um, you? Sorry, I'll
0: just interject there. Hmm. Have you used other audio recording software? I, before?
1: I tried GarageBand uh, to begin with, um, and I. I didn't like the, the the interface of it, and it it seemed very much geared up to recording music mm-hmm. rather than recording voice. Even though they do have like a um, drop in a you know voice microphone or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm very familiar with the whole timeline editing kind of setup from my video editing days, um, and from my now screencast editing days. Um, so it, it felt very foreign to not have like a timeline that you can scrub through and and kind of make edits and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, maybe it's just coming from Logic uh, Express, which is what I use. But um, the I just every time I, I use Audacity just for recording or editing our quick auxiliary episodes that we do at good stuff, just because it's mm. less produced and just quickly. But uh, every time I go into it, it's just, something about it just doesn't quite click for me. But I, it's definitely a quick, easy, and free, like you said, which is great mm-hmm. way to to get going. And and there's well, plenty it look, of it,
1: Yeah, it looks very Windowsy, which I don't like. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> maybe what it is. <laughs> Totally. Oh yeah, So, anyway. But like you say, it's it's free, and um and that was something else that was important to me on, on this because it was like my first, uh, first adventure into um doing any kind of you know online digital media content type stuff. I wanted to try and keep the cost low in case I either didn't see the whole project through or in case um, I sucked at it or whatever. <laughs> so right. I wanted to keep it kind of cheap. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so I write the script and then I record the audio. I used to, to sit down and do three takes, um, like one after the other and kind of fix any fluff lines or, or coughs or whatever. Um, I seem to cough plenty when I'm talking on a microphone. (laughs) Um, and, um, but now I tend to just do one take. Um, and, and if I really kind of screw something up, then I'll stop and just go back. I'll kind of go back to the beginning of that sentence or paragraph or something. Um, Um, But then I don't do any editing in Audacity. It's really just there to record. Um, I like to do a little bit of processing on it, but it's really just some presets. that I put everything through so it doesn't take up too much time. So I put it all through a compressor um, and hard limiter just so there's no kind of uh, nasty red bits anywhere. uh, No, no peaking. Um, And even though i'm familiar with with all of these terms i'm definitely not an audio engineer so most of them i i kind of stole off a blog post somewhere um and it seems to have been working out okay if i can find it i'll give you a link so you can sure. stick in the yeah. notes um but uh but really i just use it to to get the audio down um so that i can then start working with it and um uh after that i'll take everything into screenflow which is where i record the the video uh the video of the screen um, but uh, it's also where I do all of the um, the editing and stuff like that as well. Um, so with the audio in ScreenFlow, I'll, I'll slice it all up, cut out all the bad bits, um, and get the timing right as far as possible. Um, and then I'll integrate the the video parts, which comes in two different sections. First, there is um, a set of slides that I make in in Keynote. Uh, Which are all kind of animate, got a little bit of animation to them, so the text kind of fades in and out. And this is for the kind of the the main like introduction of an episode, where uh, it goes through some like almost like bullet points of what we're going to talk about, and um, some little title cards to introduce each section if there is multiple sections. Um, And so then I export those as a as a QuickTime movie, drop those into ScreenFlow work out all the timings for those and go and make new ones if I need to or add in extra ones. Uh, And then the last stage is actually the screen recording phase. Um, So I have all the timing worked out. So it's just a case of trying to fit what I need to do on the screen to demonstrate the point into the amount of time that I've got available for it in the timeline. Um, and sometimes it has to be jigged around a little bit, and so maybe maybe made a little bit longer, maybe a bit shorter. Um, but mostly it tends to tends to work out quite nicely. Um, but I do use quite heavy use of um, uh, fast forward, so uh, quite often when you see me typing in the in the screencast, it's not uh, my normal typing speed. Sometimes it's sped up even like three hundred percent because people can probably get the gist of it without having to see me type every single character out and make a whole load of mistakes and stuff as well so so i try and speed through as much of that as possible and just kind of do the explain do the explaining part at a at a nice measured pace um, whilst also making sure the videos don't drag on too much
0: yeah and that's where i find too with um the the one drawback to video is obviously it's hard to copy and paste text from what the code is, but like you said, you yeah. can always pause it, and then I know you do the transcripts mm. as well. That's, uh,
1: yeah, exactly. Well, because I write it out as a full script, yeah. um, and, I, and I drop all of the code snippets in there as well, um, and one of the great things about Jekyll is that it will just do the code highlighting automatically, um, so it all looks nice in the, in the output, um, but it means that I then have a reference of my examples that I'm going to use on the screen, um, and, and then I have a, you know, uh, a transcript ready to go, which is probably good for SEO, although uh, who knows what that is these days. <laughs> and, um, but, but more importantly, it's there for anybody who doesn't either want to watch the video or can't watch the video or,
0: or what have you. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's useful to have. Yeah. that's, I was going to ask you before I put two and two together that I was going to say that's great that you have the transcripts and how are you doing that but obviously like you said because you're scripting it out and I realized Mm. as I watched the your um, uh, video uh, behind the scenes video that that's exactly what happens obviously you have it all scripted Mm. so it's it is easy you know relatively speaking it's easy for you to just have a transcript done (laughs) because you're not listening back to the audio necessarily to get that
1: well that also the, the it keeps me kind of on time as well because the first one that I did this was, you know, the, when I was first trying everything out. I was like, right, I have got to do the first one, and it was the hardest one because I had not only did I have to, you know, make the first video, which I was not familiar with. I also had to, um, you know, uh, have make the intro nice and get find the music and all that kind of stuff as well, which was ridiculously hard in comparison <laughs> to uh, actually making the videos. Um, but the first one that I did, um, I also hadn't scripted, but I had a plan for what I wanted to cover. Uh, and I'd gone out and I'd made all the examples for it. And the first cut of it ended up being like over 30 minutes. And I was like, there is nobody, even, even someone who really, really loves CSS, nobody's going to sit <laughs> through 30 minutes of me rambling on going, mm, and this is what Z-Index is all about and blah, blah, blah. So, uh, so I, kind of, I literally threw that one away and started again from scratch. And um, uh, I actually got some advice from a friend of mine, uh, a guy called Drew Neal, who runs uh, a series called Vimcasts, uh, which is all about the Vim text editor. Um, And uh, I called him up and I said, dude, how do you how do you do screencasts? Because he does them really, really well. Um, And so I very much lifted his method and his process um, uh, to a great effect. Although now I've told everybody about it. So
0: maybe (laughs) that wasn't so smart. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's awesome. And that's that's I guess that's probably a perfect example of. a niche thing like a site dedicated to screencast just about the text editor mm, Vim, yeah. which feels <laughs> but i know that i like I, I sound like i'm mocking it i guess but it's uh, i know no, that I mean, it's very possible and very <clears> doable because if you like vim you want more vim
1: <laughs> yeah and plus you know you need a screencast to tell you just how to quit out of the thing so yeah exactly <laughs>
0: definitely uh so i'm trying to so screen flow um there's something in there i was going to ask you but i can't remember where where i lost it but uh the uh you're sort of chopping up your audio after the fact and i think that's what um Hmm. maybe folks like you you kind of touched on now is don't recognize how much work goes into because it feels like watching it oh he just hit record quickly walks (laughs) through the code that he already understands perfectly and and just you know lays it out for us and it probably took him 10 minutes to record it and exports it to five and put some music and he's done. And uh and just the amount of time (laughs) and effort. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's uh where most of I know in the screencasting stuff I've done, anytime I've scripted or or at least laid out a you know, an outline of what I wanna cover, the the thing this the output, the final show or episode or whatever is worlds better. But the lazy part of me just wants to hit record and think I can just talk and people are gonna love it Mm. for Yeah, like you said, half an hour, forty five minutes or whatever. Um, but it's a lot of work putting these kinds of things together and making them look as yeah. good as you Yeah, I do. mean,
1: I think I'm, I'm planning to do others. Um, uh, I'm planning to do another series of, of A to Z, but also um, through doing it, some doors have opened to to working with some other companies to do some screencasts for them as well. And um, uh, I'm there is it, this isn't a sustainable way of doing them for for every single thing that I do, um, because it does take quite a long time, but it's become a bit of a labor of love. Um, and I s- certainly didn't want the, the, uh, the way that the, the production value or the, or anything like that to kind of completely change halfway through when I realized how long it was taking. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, but certainly, you know, it's, my process has, has improved hugely and, and I've got a lot faster. Um, so, uh, so I can still kind of aim towards something similar with uh, if I do uh, future projects or what have you. Um, but it's uh, yeah, trying to trying to go through this level of detail and have all like the animated slides and stuff like that is, uh, you know, it is uh, perhaps too much for for some things.
0: And that's actually what I was going to ask you about is the animation that you're doing because you have a couple options. You can be doing it in. Keynote or you can be doing it in ScreenFlow and do you sort of do a mix of both or do you try to have mm. the slides sort of set in Keynote and done and you export that I noticed to export out of Keynote as a video file mm-hmm. that you then import into ScreenFlow. Um, so where do you try to? Try yeah, to- so
1: I do I do use both. Um, so the opening sequence, um, which I guess I, I put in because I'm used to having a credit role uh, from my time in the film industry. Um, but so the, the opening sequence is animated in Keynote and then the vast majority of, of the the slides. Uh, so some of them is just like a, a bit of text that fades in and out. Uh, some of them are a bit more involved. If I'm trying to demonstrate something like um, one I did recently was for the nth child um, selector. And it kind of lays out um, the order of, uh, of a, a list of elements and how they get selected based on different Uh, things you pass in the brackets sorry for anybody who doesn't know anything about (laughs) css because this is all going way over your head i'm sure um so that was a little bit more involved so i did that in keynote but then some of the stuff like um just adding in text that i want to overlay over a part of the video that is all done in in screenflow so really anything that needs
0: some kind of transparency is done in in screenflow Mm -hmm. it's amazing how powerful that app is for like for video editing just mm. regardless of whether you're doing screencasting or sorry powerful and easy i guess is the best way of putting mm, it is. yeah it
1: is and i i almost um rejected it everybody said oh yeah ScreenFlow screen flow is the best um but because i'm you know came from the like the the pro video background i was like no 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 i'm going to use my my old copy of final cut pro before <laughs> it got you know too basic right. um but you know I, it was just way over complicated for what i needed and it didn't do um screen recording in app so I'd have to go and use something else so I started using QuickTime for that and it was just it was just a whole big mess and uh, it was taking you know even longer and the quality of the output was was nowhere near as good um something about Final Cut and stuff like that or Avid uh, they're all geared up for like broadcast standard um input sources in terms of like the resolutions and stuff like that. And uh, for whatever reason, a recording of my screen at whatever size it, it happens to be um, was not one of those things that it was expecting and it just didn't like it at all. So um, ScreenFlow has been uh, has been absolutely amazing. Um,
0: yeah. And that's where I was going to say with, it. like I said, if uh, not to turn this into a ScreenFlow advertisement, but <laughs> what the heck. It, it's uh, um, like you had said earlier, there's certainly times to be, uh, whether it's cheap or, or frugal in terms of the gear and the software you buy. Mm. Uh, like I said, using Audacity, for example. Um, but something like ScreenFlow, I think, saves you so much time if you're doing any sort of video stuff, especially, like you said, with screencasting. And uh, and it's worth, I think, I can't remember, it's 100 bucks right now. And mm. from time to time, they do specials, I think. You can find it in bundles and 50% off and stuff like that. So Yeah. Worth watching for if you're at all keen on this kind of thing. So you, you export out of screen flow to and then you know to uh, Wistia, yeah. right? Is,
1: so yeah, I export an MP, MP4 video at uh, 1280 by 720 um, for all those resolution nerds out there, um, which is kind of HD kind of resolution. Um, so then I upload that to through the Wistia um, interface. Which automatically then goes to the the RSS feed for iTunes and anybody who's subscribed via RSS. Um I then also then I kind of take that little um it's like a little um unique ID that you get through Wistia and I drop that into my uh Jekyll post, which then pulls in that video through a embed code, um, which kind of handles the, you know the vast majority of, of, of everything that I needed to handle. Um, but then I also will upload the video to YouTube as well, just so that it's got extra reach. Um, and kind of, I, I use the same, um, uh, what do you call it summary and some kind of summary and link to the, the website that I stick in the YouTube description. Um, and then from there, when, when an episode is going live, I, I make it all live on the site first and on, on, on Wistia, and then, um, put together the, the mailing list, um uh, the mail out for that episode and so it's i release one every week so um in fact one probably went out about half an hour ago it was scheduled to go out about half half four my time mm-hmm. um so um uh so yeah i just kind of copy and paste the same introduction and um kind of in this episode you will learn blah blah blah, blah into um into my email software and and off it goes
0: yeah and that's uh, you're using mailchimp i noticed for that which mm, is a great yeah. service as well um and uh, the I noticed, I just, <clears throat> excuse me, I, when I started playing with Wistia and, and using ScreenFlow myself, I pinged ScreenFlow to say, hey, any chance of a Wistia direct import export, I guess, or whatever, right mm. from the app? And they had sort of teased it saying, some, I was trying to find the tweet here, but something to the effect of, you know, we can't say more, but, you know, basically saying it's going to come at some point here. So that's oh, nice. good news for uh, any fans of that, because they do already, you know, straight to Vimeo, straight to YouTube, if you want to use it that way. Um, yeah,
1: I should probably use that actually because I have a very manual process at the moment, which is probably very inefficient. Um, <laughs> I hadn't even really looked into the export to YouTube thing.
0: Right. Uh, yeah, I should probably look into that. It's it can be a little flaky if um, I have multiple channels on YouTube, and that's where it gets a little mm-hmm. frustrating to, to know exactly where and when you know, where this, this video is going to end up, and making sure you're logged into mm-hmm. the right account and right channel, and all that kind of stuff. But but that being said, it's it does save you that ex, extra step. You can walk away and. Have it export and upload all in one step rather than. Oh, that's um, pretty handy. The one thing they don't do, and this is why I've, sometimes I I haven't done it this way, is they don't do an export, save the file, and upload. They do an export, upload, mm-hmm. and so if your upload fails in any way, your computer goes to sleep, or you know YouTube messes <laughs> up, you have to export all over again, and so that's mm-hmm. a little frustrating. Which again, that's I'd ping ScreenFlow and said, "Hey, any chance of this?" and they kind of. Did their vague maybe someday who knows watcher <laughs> list or whatever kind of thing? So who knows. Mm. But yeah, it sounds uh, it's good to know though. Oh
1: yeah, I like I like having that knowledge that the the there is like one source of truth and it's on my external hard drive somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> um, so that I can then take that as the uh, the thing that I know that it's been exported properly and uh, send it out wherever it needs to go.
0: What's uh, how do you find? We touch on YouTube. How do you find um, putting your stuff on YouTube versus just having it on a site? And that's sometimes a question folks have of like, well, if I put it on YouTube, then they're not going to come to my site, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. If I don't put it on YouTube, then I don't get the traffic, maybe or the SEO and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, how have it's you a, found that's, it?
1: That's a really interesting question, and I was kind of expecting YouTube to do me do me more proud or do me better than uh, than it has done. Um, I think I it's not something that I keep up to speed on but i i had a quick look this morning because of uh coming on the show um i think there's something like 400 and something subscribers on youtube so it just goes into there um one of your things you subscribe to has got a new episode um but the the watch rate on youtube is much much lower than on the site so probably about um 10 to 20 percent of the uh, the amount of views that i get on the site um but then because of the kind of uh, the black box of of uh, analytics um i've i'm not ever really sure how many people are subscribing overall across youtube itunes uh, rss and and just kind of coming to the site as and when um because they they're all picking up a different media source um mm. but uh but really that isn't the uh, the main reason for doing this at all so um it's nice to know that there are people watching and and listening <laughs> and and uh and engaging and talking about stuff which is cool um but uh, yeah, it would be nice in in one sense to know a you know a figure of how many plays and how many subscribers and whatever. But it's uh, it's
0: definitely not the uh, the priority, right? And then, yeah, and like you said, in your case, it's not necessarily that you're doing this to make a living off of it. It's kind of a bit of mm-hmm. learning, a bit of sharing, and all that kind of stuff yeah. as well. So, I mean,
1: I have uh, plans to to maybe expand it a little bit as uh, as we go forward. Um, but uh, those are. Fairly kind of modest plans rather than grand plans of taking over the world. <laughs>
0: right, exactly. Yeah, which is good to start at small. You can take out, take over the world in a couple of years. That's... Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I f- completely forgot to ask you about is, uh, which is probably most important for this show, is what kind of audio gear you're using to record with. Uh, most importantly, I guess, the microphone that you're using for mm. recording your audio with. What's, uh, what kind of gear do you have there?
1: Sure. Well, again, in the spirit of keeping it simple, in case um, this all didn't work out quite as well as it has, um, I um, I bought a secondhand mic on eBay. Um, so I, I actually did some research and I, I will give you the link to this because it was uh, I found it very useful. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm completely um, it's completely software driven, my whole thing. I have no hardware with switches and dials and knobs and sliders and stuff as much as that would look pretty cool. Um, so I have a USB microphone, I have a blue Yeti, um, which, uh, like I said, I got secondhand on eBay. Um, but I found a, the, the reason I chose that one over, I think the road podcaster was the other one that I was kind of, um, in, in the running for, there was a great article on the wire com. Um, and it is an article titled the best USB microphone, but they ha- actually have like sound samples of, um, I think it was like six or seven different ones. Uh, they're all on SoundCloud. And I'll, I'll give you some links uh, for the notes, um, maybe even more than that, actually, maybe 10 different ones. And so they included things like the, the Rode Podcaster, the MXL Tempo, the uh, Blue Yeti, the Yeti Pro, the Audio Technica, something or other, um, and uh, a couple from Shure and Apogee as well. Um, and out of all of those, just listening to those um, ones, the, the Blue Yeti sounded the best for the price. Um, and so I, I got a pretty good deal on on eBay. I think I got it for ninety nine bucks or something. Yeah, maybe it was less. I can't remember.
0: Yeah, and I'm familiar with that that post, and I know I'll again I'll put that link in the show notes too. And uh, the it's funny how that uh, the Blue Yeti I think in particular has such like uh, mixed reactions among podcasters. Kind of like a mm. love hate thing with folks. Yeah. I know they kind of there's well I know people hear good stuff or big fans of or or. Oh, we'll hate, hate it. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is fair. That's fine. Like, it's not, uh, doesn't have to be the same thing for everybody. But, um, mm. I respect the fact that those, like, the wire cutter folks know what they're doing. And it's not just like a flippant, uh, hey, we kind of like the look of this mic. So that's what we're going to recommend. They obviously spend a mm. lot of time on it. So, and having, like I said, having the audio samples. And a big part of it is knowing your voice and what works for your voice. Each mic is going to accentuate and, and, uh, they- uh, I didn't know anything about that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I looked for something that that somebody else says was pretty good, and uh, and and found a <laughs> found a reasonable deal on it. Um, so I have that plugged into a um, uh, a Radius shock mount. So it's a specialist shock mount for the Yeti, um, which was the hardest thing in the world to track down. Um, there weren't any on eBay that I could get my hands on. I ordered one from a company here in the UK. They couldn't deliver it for like two months or something. I uh, eventually got one on order from Germany. Uh, and then I was a bit disappointed because it's, it doesn't actually hold the microphone very well. So all the screws and, and washers and stuff they give you for it um, aren't strong enough to hold the weight of the fairly weighty microphone. So the way that I have it all set up is kind of so it can't fall can't fall over, but uh, it definitely wants to. <laughs> um, and I have that screwed into, a, a, a again, a really kind of uh, quick and dirty uh, boom arm. Uh, just so that I can kind of sit back in in relative comfort while I'm recording, um, <clears throat> and I have a a Samson uh, pop filter in front of the mic as well.
0: Oh, nice! Yeah, it sounds good. You sound. I'm assuming that's what you're talking on right now for this recording. It is, as well. Yeah, yeah, it all sounds very really good. So, so oh, it, go. the whole
1: thing really didn't cost me very much at all. Um, mm-hmm but uh one day i will definitely be upgrading to some kind of you know mixer setup probably with uh with some you know with with xlr input rather than just going in through usb but um
0: you know slowly slowly yeah yeah there's no rush to (laughs) that kind of stuff that's for sure um before we we end i want to make sure you respect your time here because you got to go run um the last thing i usually ask is about podcasts you listen to and then apps you listen to podcasts in um what kind of yeah. podcasts are on your on your player these days
1: well i have a i have a bit of a range really um but the uh the stuff that i'm kind of interested in outside of tech so there's there's a, a few tech podcasts uh, shop talk show is probably one of my all-time favorites um also been a long time listening to uh, non-breaking space um and uh bizcraft um what else the freelance web is a really good uk-based one um there's also the back to front show which uh is uh is great whenever it uh comes out i think they're on hiatus or uh something at the moment um uh, but other than that i also um i'm quite interested in the whole kind of uh internet business and and digital marketing marketing type stuff so there's there's a handful of podcasts about that um i also do a bit of uh property renovation and investment so i have about four or five property uk property related shows which are probably only relevant for the uk audience Um, um And actually, I found a really good one just today. I was listening to a thing. What is it called? It is called Stuff You Should Know. Um, I was chatting to a guy in the pub over the weekend, and he said, I've just been listening to this awesome podcast. And I was like, wow, I'm talking to someone who actually knows what a podcast is. That's kind of cool. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And he said, yeah, I found this amazing show. And they just talk about something completely random in lots and lots of detail. Uh, And he said the latest episode was all about um, um, blimps, like like the Hindenburg. And I listened to it today and it was, it was really, really well done. It was just two guys talking about facts, about stuff. And it was really, really interesting. Um, it was quite dry humor as well, which is, uh, definitely my kind of thing. Um, so, uh, I've subscribed to that today and look forward to listening to a
0: lot more. It's good stuff. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's, um, I, it's been on the, oh, the pun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we appreciate that pun in any time it's been, I'm sure. um, that's yeah, one that's been on my radar that I just keep forgetting to subscribe to, so let's go do that right away. Um 'cause yeah. I've, I've
1: been enjoying Tim's new show as well for the record. That's
0: been been great. Oh yeah. I'm not familiar the with The production values are, are amazing. Yeah. He's uh you know, it's it's good. There's an episode coming out this week. I think he's got it tomorrow coming out. So um and then apps you publish with or publish, listen to podcasts mm. with uh,
1: So I'm a I'm a uh, big downcast fan. Um Mostly because a couple of the shows that I used to listen to and still do, um, I was able to get the show notes for them in app um, because of the way it sucks in all of the feed data. Whereas I, if I remember rightly from when I used to listen to stuff on the on the, the native uh, Apple player, uh, it didn't do that. So to be able to have like either code examples or, or links right there in my hand, it meant that I actually took advantage of all those you know hours spent making show notes to go and view the things that were interesting mm-hmm. um so i really like that although i've been hearing uh, a lot of uh, new ones recently which uh, i need to go and check out um I, but i can't even remember the name of
0: them <laughs> yeah there's there's a, it's an interesting market that's like opening up i guess nerds love mm-hmm. podcast players or love podcasts and so nerds love making podcast players so <laughs> um but yeah i know like marco armand's overcast uh, that's the that one else. i've heard yeah. about a lot is worth checking out probably too um but uh and do you use it typically on your iOS device of choice or on the Mac or do you do both for
1: uh yeah ex- exclusively on the iphone uh, I mean as whenever I'm commuting um, and because I live in London it's you know it takes a, at least an hour to get anywhere um uh, whenever i'm yeah whenever i'm sitting on the train or what on the tube or what have you i uh, I'll listen to to podcasts to you know just expand my knowledge um especially in terms of the web industry stuff, because it's always changing. So it's great to be able to keep up to date with stuff in, in a couple of hours a day, just pick up on the, the latest bits and pieces, but then also to you know, fill in the gaps of other interesting bits of knowledge and stuff as well. So, yeah, always uh, on the iPhone, sometimes at home, but, but more often than not when I'm out and about.
0: Yeah, nice. All right, well, in wrapping up, where can folks uh, find you, follow you, best places to reach you? Or, or mm, sure
1: so uh I, I guess uh twitter is really the only social media channel that i spend any real amount of time on uh so you can tweet me at guy routledge um if you want to check out the um the the video podcast it's at a to z css.com or a to z css.com i guess <laughs> for our uh, transatlantic listeners yeah <laughs> and uh um yeah thanks so much for having me on it's been uh, it's been great
0: yes it's been great to have you on um so if you're new to this show this is the first time you're listening you can find links to what we discussed all the stuff the gear the software etc that we talked about at goodstufffm smym slash 49 this is episode 49 of show me your mic um of course thanks to campaign monitor for supporting good stuff and show me your mic you can follow good stuff's twitter account GoodStuff_FM. underscore fm i'm IChris on twitter show me your mic actually has its own little twitter account for show related and podcasting related tweets. Uh, that one is S M Y M underscore FM. If you have questions about the show or just want to reach out to me about something related to it, uh, good, sorry, Chris at goodstuff.fm is my email address. Uh, thanks for listening. Like I said, tune in next week for a couple next couple weeks for episodes from Kyle Roderick, and then I'll be back again in three weeks, I guess, from now. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.